Well, painter, um, where where do you where do you even want to begin? This is awkward. This is awkward coming from the guy who is picking with his heart. Yeah, this is awkward. This, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I I picked Auburn to win. I thought they would win. I hate doing predictions. Um, I thought I thought they would win. I thought they'd play a lot better. Um, than they did on Saturday night against Georgia. And I thought Georgia wouldn't look as good as they did as well. Um, I think equal credit has to go here to the fact that uh, Auburn played very poorly and Georgia played pretty well. And uh, the result is Georgia 27, Auburn 6. Yet another year, Auburn goes into Sanford Stadium and looks like it doesn't have any sort of hope on offense. And George is able to get enough on their own offensive side, take advantage of Auburn's own defense to get a victory. It is the Auburn Observer Podcast. It's your Sunday recap of Auburn, Georgia. This one is free for everybody because, man, I'd feel real bad having to make people pay <laughs> for this. I kind of felt the same way about the observations yesterday morning, or I guess it would be this morning, um, Sunday morning, whenever I wrote those uh, those. Night games, doing this after night games. What time did you go to sleep? About a little after two, um, and then got up to got up to record this. But you, you know, think Gus got more or less sleep than you? A lot less, a lot, 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 lot less, lot less. Um, and uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of people who probably didn't sleep particularly well uh, related to the Auburn football program after that twenty-seven to six loss. I mean, I I said it kind of jokingly to open it up, but I I kind of have it like legitimately like where do you even begin on this one like where do you even begin on this one the thing that perhaps frustrated me most was this and i think i have to issue a slight correction here the wording wasn't quite right but during the game um i sent out an emotional tweet as i do and it said something to the effect of Auburn getting domed by a third-string quarterback, unique to Auburn. Well, that's not true. The, the third-string quarterback, Stetson Bennett, by the way, as he looked good. Ben Walk pointed out, had a good high school career. He's undersized. They didn't ask him to do a whole lot. He didn't have to. No. It was the first time you were correct. I couldn't remember how long it had been. It was the first time since 2018 that the Auburn defensive line really got pushed around. And then the other side of the ball, the offensive line. like It couldn't have been more obvious uh, whatever it is you think of Bo Nix, and I think we got to get there because he didn't have a great game either. Happy feet came back. Um, it was ugly. There was no phase that looked good to me, though. The obvious part is the offensive and defensive lines. Like yeah. they, they just lost that battle very obviously. Well, I think last season having Derek Brown, having Marlon Davidson up front, you felt like Auburn was going to be in every single game it played. And yesterday against Georgia, the defensive line wasn't the same. Um, Georgia in the first half averaged over five yards a carry. That created some really easy play-action looks for Stetson Bennett. There was no real pass rush in that game. I think they only pressured Bennett a couple of times. They got to him once. Um, And so it was just easy. It was just easy to sit back. I mean, Georgia dominated that game up front. 
at a degree that we have not seen Auburn, that happen to Auburn in a couple of years. Because last year, you were in every game, and a lot of that had to do with your defense, and a lot of that had to do with the fact that at the line of scrimmage, you were not going to get overmatched in any game, no matter who you played. And this is where this game got really, really interesting early on and why I thought, you know, even though I thought Auburn would win this game because it was their best chance and the way they looked in week one, you put a little too much stock. I'll admit it. I put way too much stock in week one and not enough stock in the fact that this is a really good Georgia football team. This is a team with the most talent recruiting wise in college football um, this season. Look at the numbers. Um, And they played like it. They did not play like it against Arkansas. They definitely played like it against Auburn on Saturday night. And it made, such a huge difference. And for what it's worth, I'm not getting all up in arms about it, but good for Arkansas. They did get a win over Mississippi State. Yep. Now that's, you know, you mentioned that uh, they were able to do something schematically yeah. that messed with Mississippi State. They actually dropped back into zone. And we saw Arkansas against Georgia play some fine defense, given that Georgia yep. has a lot more talent than Arkansas does. But, man, that was not the result I was expecting. And, yeah, with, with the Stetson-Benson comment, like, it wasn't that he dominated Auburn. It was that with a quarterback like Ben, yeah. who was not their first option, they were still able to do that. And really, like you said, it all started up front for the offensive line. They were averaging, what, five and a half yards a touch in the first half? Yeah. Like, life's going to be pretty easy for any quarterback in that scenario. Well, Bennett, Bennett looked good, but I would imagine that if you play him with that kind of protection and that kind of running game next to you, they could have thrown Dwan Mathis back out there as bad as he looked in the first half against Georgia and still been fine. And that's kind of the thing there is that Auburn could never get into the face of Stetson Bennett. Um, and then they had a running game to go with it that it just, I mean, I like, like I said, it's without Marlon Davidson, without Derek Brown, this is the first time Auburn's defensive line has been pushed around in a while. And it's crazy because a week earlier against Kentucky, that was the whole reason they won the game. Yeah, I think going into the year of any group of lines, you had to feel best about Kentucky's. You might say Alabama and Georgia will finish the year better because right. of pure NFL talent. Yeah. But starting the year with cohesion, I, I was like, all right, this is about as tough of a matchup as Auburn's going to yeah. get before they play one of the top teams and in Kentucky the league. Kentucky ran for like eight yards a carry Saturday yeah. against Ole Miss. Well, they did exactly what it is we thought that they would do against worse opponents, which is, oh, you can be one-dimensional against Ole Miss. That's not right. going to be much of a problem. Yeah, and for Auburn, like they they looked so I won't say dominant, but they looked good enough on the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball against Kentucky, whereas Georgia did not. And here's the difference: Kentucky's offensive line is veteran. Georgia's offensive line is talented, and I think the same goes to the other side of the ball, except for Georgia's defensive front is also veteran in the fact that, it's, that that they're insanely talented. And I think if you want to start off on the defense end, now in the second half, Auburn only held Georgia to three points. Uh, the, the yards per carry was much more normal. Um, you they know, did make some adjustments, like, overall. They didn't give up as many big plays, yeah. But, like, Georgia also kind of could just – It didn't matter much. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't matter. They, they didn't they had the game to score very much. They were just like, cool, we'll hold on to the ball. That'll work. Yeah, I mean, you cannot fault Auburn's effort. You, once again, whatever you say about Gus Malzahn. Yeah, in the second half, it was better. It was just such a whew, such a rough first half. That yeah. It was demoralizing. And it's just one of those things where if you're in a game where 
you are the underdog. And Auburn is the underdog. And I, and I wrote about it on, on Sunday morning. Like, Auburn recruits enough talent to compete for a championship. Auburn recruits enough talent to beat really good teams. Look at the Alabama games, you know, under Miles on. However, if you're playing on the road and you're playing against a good team like Georgia, a, a Georgia team that just has your number, uh, for, for, you know, lack of a better phrase, you've got to do things. Um, you've got to do things differently. You got to do things better. You've got to out execute. And like Georgia won the execution, especially in the trenches, won that execution battle straight up. And then you have to get creative. You have to, you have to create chaos. You have to, you know, hit big plays. And like Auburn couldn't do any of that because at the line of scrimmage, at the line of scrimmage on the offensive side, they felt like they didn't, they couldn't protect long enough to do anything really great through the air. And they couldn't run the ball at all. They didn't even try. They didn't even try in this game. Like you can say, oh, well, they were down behind, they were down early, but like they only handed the ball off to Tank Bisbee three times in the first quarter. And not having Tron Shivers was, it made an impact. And Georgia's defense is nasty. And they're going to do what they did on Saturday night. They're going to do that to a lot of teams this year. If they play like that the rest of the year, they won't lose a game until whenever it is. You know, they, they've got Alabama coming up pretty soon here, I yeah. think. But other than yeah. that, like, if they play like that against every other team in that division, including Florida, I will include Florida oh, yeah. in that oh, game because yeah. I know we probably have to get there because Florida's offense, man, it looked good. But uh, And Georgia's usually good to drop one. Like, they're usually good to not play like that against somebody. Mm-hmm. But Well, they didn't play like that against Arkansas. Sure. So, uh, you've got to be able to do those things. You got to be creative. You got to create chaos. But like, you know, one of the things you go back and look that that has made a difference for Auburn in those games, those games where they've won against Alabama, is they create turnovers. They create opportunities for them to make to make mistakes on offense. Georgia never really had to take risks. I mean, Stetson Bennett's throws were pretty easy because a there wasn't a ton of pass rush there and b they had so established the run very well that the play action was going to work yeah they picked their spots they made it easy on them and that was something ben said he was like yeah the guy can throw the ball he's not your first option you would prefer yeah but he's not bad like georgia didn't go out and get a bad player and they highlighted that he left the program as a preferred walk-on comes back with the scholarship so they think highly enough of him to give him a scholarship and you know, uh, Auburn's own defense had their mistakes. And, yeah. and, and and it didn't help in the secondary that you had – you were without uh, Jalen Simpson, who, it, who was coming off of a really good game at corner, so you're already under man at corner. Smoke Monday gets ejected for targeting on that on that punt return uh, very, very early in the game. And so you're already under man. Still no Marco Domeo. This was an under man secondary that, you know, got picked on early. And there were there were some issues. Even even a guy like Roger McCreary gives up a touchdown to George Pickens, just one on one coverage, and Pickens beat him. I mean, that, there there's no other way to put it. He just got beat on that play. And and Georgia, to their credit, like they never really seemed to be in danger. Now they didn't. They weren't a huge play factory, but it was like something like a, at halftime they were averaging eight yards a play on first down. And so people would point back to, oh, well, it's another third down defense. It's like, yeah, there were a couple of third and longs that Georgia converted. Um, A couple of third and longs. I'm going to look at the numbers right here. Georgia converted two of seven on third and long. So there were a couple of them that they hit, but they made a living converting third and short and third and medium because they were able to set the tone on first down. On first downs, they averaged seven yards a play. Auburn averaged 2.8 yards per play on first down. And like that, that goes a long way. They controlled this game, and they controlled this game up front. Uh, 
Um, and I think you saw that very much in the, on the defensive end and the fact that you couldn't slow down a running game, which was the difference in, in week one against Kentucky. And number two, you really you had a, 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 a secondary and linebacker group that was undermanned and tired. I mean, they were worn the out. Lot. They were on the field a good bit. Now, Auburn swung it back and tried to keep them off the field in the second half. Was of it 36? What was the breakdown in time of possession? It was not quite 34, as much. 34 minutes to 25 and 56 seconds. I mean, and then Auburn, Auburn in the second half held on to the ball a decent bit um, and helped it out in that way. But still, I mean, the, the damage was done. K.J. Britt had two different injuries he was playing playing through, and we had all the other ones that we talked about earlier. You know, not a not a horrible game by any means from Auburn's defense, but like they got off to a rough start. And in the second half, I mean, somebody put it on Twitter, and I think it was the best the best way to put it. Like there there aren't very many adjustments and tweaks and schemes drawn up that you can do when you're getting beat at the line of scrimmage like that. When you if you're getting beat at the line of scrimmage like that, it just doesn't. You know, there's nothing else to do. There's nothing else to say and there's nothing else to fix now I think Auburn's tackling got a little bit better in the second half they still missed a good bit their coverage got better in the second half there were still some there was still some busts by there but this game was lost at the line of scrimmage this game was lost at the line of scrimmage and then when you flip over to the area that everybody's going to talk about from this game for good reason you put up six points in you know in Athens this is the first time since that 2018 game against Mississippi State that you did not score a touchdown and once again, you know, Auburn, we talked about heading into this game, could Auburn look like the better team on the on the lines like they did in week one compared to Georgia? Well, that was no. clearly not clearly not the case. And number two, could they take advantage of the fact that they had the more stable quarterback situation? Well, Stetson Bennett had a pretty easy night because he wasn't pressured that much and he was playing next to a great running game. Bo Nix, on the other hand, was pressured all night long. Had no run game. Had no run game next to him and didn't play well himself. Like that's Yeah, that's that's, that's gonna be the interesting thing here about the debate on Knicks this week. Yeah. Because it's the one we've been having since he got the starting job. Mm-hmm. But to be fair, in this instance as someone who has said that I'm excited and think that Knicks will continue to be a good quarterback for Auburn, his offensive line didn't help him out. He didn't help himself out either. No, he was it, inaccurate at times. We saw some of those habits with happy feet coming back. And that may be a chicken and egg type deal where it's like, all right, right well, you're getting murdered. So, of course, you're starting to doubt your protection. But, yeesh, it wasn't good. And it goes back to your story earlier this week about Auburn being woeful on offense against Georgia. That's one thing. Especially but, the quarterback play. But particularly that position in Athens. This is in the observations, and you can, uh, if you want to read them all, you subscribe at auburnobserver.com $6 a month or $60 a year. A lot of you have already taken advantage of that, and we really, really appreciate it, and we appreciate your uh, loyalty and support uh, even in a week where you're probably not going to want to read a ton of stuff about about Auburn. But In these uncertain times. In these uncertain times. But on Saturday night, Georgia looked like a top-10 team. Let's say they finished the year in the top-10, which is what we're probably expecting them to do. I would expect nothing lower, right? It means Bo Nix in now 15 games of his college career has already played seven top 10 teams, Oregon, Florida, LSU, Georgia, Alabama, Minnesota, and then, and then now Georgia again. If you combine all those seven games, he's completed 50% of his passes for 5.21 yards per attempt. Those are not good. Those are not good numbers. 
Again, they all come with a, with, with a caveat. Like, receiver drops are a thing. Uh, protection. Poor offensive line protection play at times. Is, is a thing. But to Nix's credit, as the leader that he is and the, a tough, the toughness that he brings to the table, this is a guy that knows that he had to be a lot better last night, and he wasn't. Here was, the, here was a quote. He said, we knew they were going to bring some pressure. Part of that's on me. I didn't slide the right way and get it protected. Then I've just got to get the ball out. Guys were running open. Later on, he said, I made some pitiful throws and missed a bunch of guys out there tonight. I'm never going to blame a receiver. Drops are part of the game, but I missed more throws than they had drops. And that's unacceptable on my part. And so Nix has got to be better. Now, it's hard to look good when you're running for your life most of the night. And one of the things that <laughs> I guess I guess my brain was just, uh, you know, I, I, I guess I was still kind of just formulating a lot of stuff last night. But when we had those post-game interviews, I usually try not to be super blunt when I ask questions, at least to players. Coaches, yeah, coaches, little, you can be a little. Coaches, you can be they're different. Getting paid, they're, they're getting grown paid millions of do- yeah, they're getting paid millions of dollars to do it. Try not to do it as much with with players. And I don't think it was harsh by any means, but like I just straight up asked Bo Nix after the game, his first question in the interview, and I was like, "You look frustrated out there, and it looked to me like you were running for your life most of the game. How did that feel?" And that's where he came to it and said, "I didn't do a good enough job." But that was me just saying, like, I, I literally said the words, it looked like you were running for your life out there. And it, it, it was. It was it, obvious if you looked at body language, you could do some lip reading at times. Yeah. I, I, we'll see. Film Room will be out tomorrow. And one of the big things for me is going to be looking at the protection because that was such a huge Yeah, where do you draw the difference. line on how, how much Nix needs to improve versus, like, hey, man, like it doesn't matter what he does if you guys don't help it, him out. If you look at Pro Football Focus's premium stats, when Nix is not pressured, his numbers were all right. Now, they could have been a lot better. They were all right, though. Has he that kind of been the story? Was that kind of how the story of his career has been thus far? Yeah. Because, yeah. I, I mean – didn't you have some numbers? But he had much more consistent protection last year. I mean, like, like that was not the Auburn's issue. Like, he had well, more, yeah, they had, and he, had more, he had much better protection last week against Kentucky. In pass pro. Yes. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. That was, that's not been the issue. And that was, I think that's kind of part of the difference here for Auburn in this case, is that Auburn was able to come back in the Georgia game last year, at the end of the LSU game last year. They were able to make some plays against Florida in that game was as bad as Knicks looked in it. Because the offensive line was going to get a baseline level of protection that it was going to give them some opportunities. Now, you can talk about how Georgia played soft coverage late. LSU maybe played soft coverage late. Florida, different things that happened there. But there was a there was a, a baseline level of protection that you came to expect from that Auburn offensive line. Although they did not run the ball well, you know, the, the last season, really the last two seasons, you felt like they were going to at least be protected. And in this game, Nix was under pressure pretty much every time he he stepped back to pass. Like, a, a lot of those clean pockets he got were on RPOs, were on plays that were going to be quick. And they had to rely on a ton of screens. So all this stuff that you say that, you know, the, the Chad Morris offense is going to bring to the table, all this stuff that you're supposed to have from his type of offense, you didn't get it. You didn't get it because you didn't feel like you could do anything 
you know, to to hit those big plays. You were you were your quarterback just had to was under fire as soon as he was as soon as he was getting the snap. There were free rushers yeah, left I, and right in this game. I try not to question play calling too much because it is in an area that you always have great hindsight into. You know, it's like, well, if it worked, great, you're going to celebrate it, and if not, you're going to pick it apart endlessly. Plus. I thought yeah. these coaches are coaches for a reason. They know infinitely more about yes. their play calling than I'll ever know recording this podcast. hundred percent. But I think it was friend of the podcast, JT moon that pointed out mm-hmm. some of the play calling and consistency. Yeah. not inconsistent. I don't know. I don't know what you'd call it. It, Look, just, they, it just wasn't I, what I, I expected. I think it was as simple as this. It was something we talked about last week, right? Like we talked about, we talked about Auburn's, passing game looking different against Kentucky. They were using a bunch of different types of throws. They were they were stretching the field. They were hitting different areas. That did not happen against Georgia. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact is they they couldn't sit back and say, well, let's do some of those shots that we play or like let's do some of the uh, intermediate stuff or even some of the some of the quicker stuff like that. They had to rely a ton on screens because that felt like that was the only thing they were going to do. They had to get away from the pass rush. They had to get away from the chaos that was happening in front of them, you know, in the box and and get it to the outside and say, all right, well, maybe these guys can make plays. And your best receiver on Saturday night was Tank Bigsby. And that's not a great sign. Now, there were some design design routes that he ran, but a lot of it was just scramble drill and he had to get open and he had to make a play for for his quarterback because his quarterback was under – extreme pressure. I'd argue there were no bright spots in this game for the offense, but I would say the closest thing to it might have been tank tank Bigsby is, I think you could, I'll, I'll, I'll put that in there. I was like, if you want to take a positive from this game is that tank Bigsby looks like the type of running back Auburn wants to have in this offense, a guy who can be effective as a receiver who can do something. Look, he only had eight carries. Four of them were successful, like decent runs, even behind that offensive line. He had some really good runs and I think if you compare – if Sean Shivers is back healthy and he had a, he had that injury that late against uh, – he had an injury late against Kentucky. They tried it out before the game, and he wasn't ready to go, so they so they pulled him out uh, last night against Georgia. If you can put those two together, I, with what we saw from Shivers in week one, what we saw from Bigsby in week two, you've got something there. However, you've got to get a lot, 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 lot better on the offensive front. And like miles better on the offensive front, and that was the thing is that last year, you know, as much of the criticism as Auburn's offensive line faced for the way they played last season, at least there was a level of protection that you were going to get. Like Nick's put himself in danger, and saying he put himself in some danger in some situations on Saturday on Saturday night. I'm not going to act like he didn't he didn't create pressure for it on his own a few times, because um, it definitely happened. Also, he just missed throws. There are two possible touchdowns to Anthony Schwartz that he overthrows. Okay. Who knows what the game looks like if he's able to hit both of them, one of them. Like, it's a different it's a different story. It's probably still a loss for Auburn, but it's a different – you're talking about a different story today. And that's the thing. When you play these really good teams, when you come into a game knowing that if you're Auburn, you are – your roster is about – you've got a top 15 roster, and Georgia's got a top three roster, if not top one. <laughs> yeah, if Kirby doesn't want to, you know, it's fine. I'll, I'll say this. They got a top three roster. The, it's yeah, them, the, Alabama, and Ohio State. The margin for error is those three teams. And, and you Clemson's can, getting there. You, you can bicker about which one is one, but it doesn't matter. It's clear that Ohio State and Alabama and Georgia have more talent than even the likes of LSU and Florida and Auburn. But the thing about it is, is that you can beat teams like that, but you, I mean, look, good teams lose all the time. 
right? We've, we've seen it happen, but you've got to be able to do something. And you can create things through the air, but you got to have time to do it. You can't just sit back and, and throw screens. You can't sit back and throw screens or just take speculative deep shots and not hit them as much, especially against a defense like Georgia's. That is terrifying. That is such a good defense, based and they on, played like yeah, that. Yeah, based on what we saw, they will statistically again finish as the best team in college football on that side of the ball. The thing where I was obviously at a fever pitch of idiocy last night was I was like, just do the Pat Mahomes things and back up 15 yards and throw it. And it's like, well... That only works for about one person. Um, but that's kind of where I was with the offensive line. I felt like every time Nix was dropping back to pass, he was either running for his life or choosing to run for his life. So that was um, uninspiring. Where else does that leave us on the offensive side of the ball, for? I, I think you got to – I mean, there were there were the drops by, by Seth Williams that were uncharacteristic. Right, like, yeah, one that could have potentially been a touchdown. You didn't have your full strength of players. Eli Stove hurt early; that made an impact in the game. Sean Shivers out for for that game. I, I just want to keep going back, and I, I want to go back to that offensive line because one of the things that Malzahn said after the game, I think it was Jason Caldwell who asked him the question. It was like, "Look, the offensive line was bad. Do y'all need to stop rotating? Like, is that part of it?" And Malzahn. Admit it, like that was a that was a he was like that's a I think his quote was like that's a good point or something like that. This feels like a week to me when you have coaches really challenging players in terms of you know we always talk about this sport as if it's the gladiator type sport. Yeah, it's always the sport uh, of who wants it the most and we're going to battle, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And some of that's cliche and corny, but on some level, it's like this week I think in practice. And RIPIP to Arkansas, uh, it's it's going to be, I think, an interesting week of practice. They're going to challenge those guys. Do you have that that quote in front of you? Yes. Um, the, the quote is, I think that's a good point. I mean, we've got seven guys and we're rotating. We need to kind of get that narrowed down. This will be really good information for us to do that because when you play against a quality front, um, you can really learn a lot. Hopefully, we'll be able to do that. Here's the thing. Auburn was not able to solidify a strong offensive line in the offseason. There were too many injuries. There were too COVID. It was a weird offseason. I mean, we've got three storylines here. Does Bo Nix take a step forward? Does the offensive line help him out? How do you replace perhaps your best defensive lineman ever? Right. It's like those were the things we talked about for six months. Exactly. So I said throughout the offseason, especially as we got to the end of fall camp, that look, like the offensive line is going to have to take time to grow. There's going to have to be a grace period there. You have to be patient. It's going to look ugly at times. But the end result is that if they can find a find a solid five, this is something they can build around, and it won't be just a one-year thing. They'll be able to pull, pull them out again in year two. Here's the issue. Auburn on Saturday night was still rotating. Alec Jackson and Austin Troxel both played left tackle. They rotated all three of the guards again. But Aries Ham had to, had to miss some time as well with an injury. So you're throwing seven guys, seven, eight guys out there, and none of the things that you need at the offensive line. It's it's hard to build that stuff. It's it's hard to like, it's hard to find the consistency consistency you need, especially in the running game. When we talk about what we're wanting to run zone or like learning how everybody works up front, the chemistry needed to pull off double teams and and get to the next level and stuff like you're not getting that if you're constantly rotating. The guy next to you could be different. The same thing, I think, goes for pass protection. That communication, it's harder to run that right now. 
And part of it is because Auburn doesn't Auburn isn't a hundred percent sure what that offensive line like what's their best offensive line. They don't really know because they haven't had one. They haven't had one for, on a consistent basis. So here you go, live bullets. Well, here's what it looked like against Kentucky. And whatever they found out against Kentucky, it was not enough for them to say, all right, here's the five. So now they play one of the best defenses, you know, defensive fronts in America, probably the best defense in the country. And they're going to get a ton of information on that. And I'm not going to sit here and call out unpaid college football players for not doing it, for not playing well. Like, I don't think that's my place in this. And I have no, and I have no business. To but do if that. you watched it, it's also, if you watch it though, and, and especially if you watch it from the perspective, if you watch it from the perspective of a coach who knows these guys more than, more than anybody, that's the thing. It's the thing is like, why is this guy playing? Why is that guy playing? Why are they doing this? Look, they are in practice and you're not like that. You've got to at least as not to say coaches don't make, they make mistakes, make mistakes and make decisions that you're just like, where, where are you getting that from? They're seeing like they know who who can bring it and who can't more than anybody else. But if you watch this game, there are some obvious problems, and they've got to start narrowing it down. As Malzahn said, they've got to get a five and just say, "Hey, this has got to be our five, and we got to go with it." Because where they're at right now in the schedule is they're in a decent spot. That that was my thought going into this game with the the offensive line where it said, "I'm thinking, man, if you steal one here." You're in a great spot. And I, I don't think that Auburn's in a bad spot having lost this game, but obviously you've essentially taken away all of your room for error the, the rest of the year. But the, now you do get a bit of a lull. And, you know, I guess given that Arkansas perhaps has played above its expectation level through two weeks, you, this isn't as easy of a game as maybe you once thought, but I'm still on board that Auburn is going to absolutely bring it to Arkansas. So where does, like, what does Auburn do this week when you're looking at an offensive line performance that looked that out of sync? And again, like, they probably don't have to play another matchup like that until either LSU or Alabama at the end of the year. TBD on LSU, honestly. Yeah, LSU hammered Vanderbilt, but um, Vanderbilt was still able to, like, run the ball pretty well. And Alabama's the only team that you're going to play that is looks like that. However... We just we saw in week one Auburn has what it takes to beat a good team, not a great team, but a good team in Kentucky. They've got some more good to decent teams like that because right now in the SEC it looks like Alabama and Georgia and Florida and everybody Nobody else, else and, is playing and, ball right now. It's like LSU is an afterthought, which is wild. Auburn's and, LSU, get, and LSU's got the talent to get their act together. Yes, I, but it's obvious to me that I, I would bet a lot of money that they will not be. If there's a conference championship this year, they won't be in it. I, I go back to 2017 and how Auburn's offensive line looked so rough in that game against Clemson, and they learned from it and they adjusted, and they ended up playing for the SEC title that year. Like that to me is is something that you've got to keep in mind if you're if if you're Auburn. The way this Georgia game fell, this is the first time. Forever, probably first time, first time ever that Auburn could look so bad against Georgia on the road and it not matter in terms of their overall goals. Right, everything's still in front of them. They have not played a West opponent yet. Yeah, it's in a way, and not unlike the 2017 situation against yes. LSU, you find yourself in. Now the games didn't play themselves out the same way. You just got absolutely manhandled from first quarter to fourth quarter. But in terms of what is in front of you, your season's goals, competing for a championship. In theory, it's all there. Here's what you got for Auburn coming up. You've got an Arkansas team that's fresh off of beating Mississippi State. 
they look better than we thought they were going to be this year. I don't think they're a good team, but they're not horrible. I uh, I will say that. You get them at home. I said they wouldn't win a game for the third straight year, so that turned out to be quickly incorrect. Then you play South Carolina, who looks like a mess, but they they showed some fight against against Florida, and I think I think it can be more obvious that uh, they need a different coach. Like, and it's not like I would say he's done a decent job of bringing talent there. Yeah, exactly. But there, there, at no point in that game did I think that they were in a position to truly beat Florida. Then you play an Ole Miss team that, like, defensively is a problem, but like offensively, they might just say we don't think you can hang with us scoring wise, and they're going to be playing at home. And you game. turn the ball over against that team, they're going to have enough offensive firepower to probably make it a game. Who knows what you got out of LSU? Who knows what you got out of Mississippi State? Then you play Tennessee, a Tennessee team that looks better. Auburn's got more talent than Tennessee, but we saw how it's that not a worked. Big gap. It's yeah, not we a big saw gap. how that worked in eighteen, and they right. didn't have the, the talent levels were not as similar in twenty eighteen as they will be this year. And you got Alabama, and then you got an A and M team that is looking like not good. It's been fun. I took a lot of that was the highlight for me. I took a lot of pleasure in watching Jimbo Fisher's team do what it does. So here's so. That that's the that's what you have for Auburn is like you have to flush this game, this game can KJ Brett said it, you can't let this loss create another loss and that's true, but you've got to learn from it. What did you do in 2013 to build on it? What did you do in 2017? I think that's the more apt example at this point. What would you do in 2017 to build on it? And I think part of it is they got to figure out that offensive line situation, and it's not going to be overnight. Remember they remember in 2017 they lose to Clemson and then mess around with with Mercer immediately after it. And then they go to Missouri. Here's the thing. You don't get those games this year. You don't get the games to work out the Kings. This Arkansas is, is your Mercer, and that's not the same thing. Like, I know that's a they're very, SC, they're SEC yeah, football that's players. a very obvious thing to say. But look at what they did against a state team that just yeah. beat a more talented LSU team. You can't yep. really do the transitive win situation, but it's obvious in any scenario that that Arkansas team is better than a team like Mercer. So if you're Auburn, what do you do on the offensive line? You got to find you got to find a five. You, I think, I think personally, you have to evaluate this film and you have to find a five and say, "Here's who we've got, and let's go with it, and let's start to build that chemistry, build that those connections, build the communication, all that that is necessary." Because your offensive line looked real bad, and it was rotating as well. And it wasn't rotating in the fact it's like they were just pulling guys left and right. Like they they just stuck to a rotation. I mean that was that was the plan in there, and they've. They've got to be able to do something differently. And on top of that, you found out in this game, well, you didn't find out. I mean, everybody should know this. Recruiting matters. Talent matters. Yeah, I thought that Auburn had the edge here. You know, I thought the talent gap couldn't be denied for all of Kirby Smart's sort of deflection on that. But I thought they had the position that would make up for that. And uh, it was a it was a harsh reminder that Georgia is playing with a level of talent that essentially no other team. Besides Alabama. And Ohio State, like, yeah. that's it. The thing with the the thing with this offensive line is that you are starting converted defensive linemen, transfers from Akron. And I mean, not to say that those those players can't be good. The NFL is littered with people who are two star, three star, no star talent. Yeah, we've talked before about how it is likely the most difficult. It's the hardest position, position to scout, to... especially coming out of high school, given all the body changes and playing in the et cetera, et cetera. It's the hardest position to evaluate. It's the hardest position to make an impact early. So, like, guys can guys can be – we've seen underrated guys shine for Auburn in the past. However, Auburn's offensive line recruiting issues really, really reared its ugly head on, on Saturday night. And I think it was the culmination of that. 
I think it was, and yes, there, a lot of this stuff has to be taken in context. This was a weird year. This is a, you're playing football during a pandemic that is still ongoing. There's a, nothing about this feels normal, but if you're Auburn, you have to look at that game and just be like, okay, well, we just got outmatched up front. And defensive line-wise, I don't think that's a talent issue as much as you don't have the game records that you had in the past right now. Now, some of those guys could be really good players, and it's not like Derrick Brown and Marlon Davidson played perfectly every single game of their career, like especially when they were when they were not seniors. I don't think it was a talent issue there, but I think on the offensive line, you just it, they looked overmatched from the beginning, and Knicks has to play better. The coaching has to be better. The adjustments have to be made. The receivers need to be better. Everybody needs to be better. But you got to look at the you got you got to look at part of that in that game and just think, oh, that's an that that's a team that has had its offensive line recruiting problems over the last few years against a defense that just gets whoever they want for the most part. So this goes back to your point about not dunking on people that are infinitely more talented and hardworking. Like if you've earned a scholarship at Auburn, you've already significantly outgained me. Yeah. I'm not going to sit here and say, this guy doesn't need to start ever again. This guy, like, I'm not going to say that it's a, it's not my place. B I don't know for, for a fact and C like they're not getting paid to play. This is, yeah, you go, if you want to yell at the Falcons, Atlanta fans, yes. like whatever those guys. If you want are, to yell at the coaches that get yeah. paid millions of dollars, they can take criticism. Um, I'm not going to be the person but, who's going to be overly overly critical of it, but you know, I think I, I think I, I think personally, what I wrote on on Sunday morning was critical. Fair, yeah, critical enough without just saying like this guy needs to go, this guy needs to go, or whatever. Um, here's my thing, and I guess we'll try to figure this balance out as the season goes on because Georgia's offensive line was able to push Auburn's defensive line around in a way we haven't seen very often since Kevin Steele took over. But how different is the game if it just looks like last season? Is it at all more competitive? Do we get the game like we got in Jordan-Hare Stadium where Auburn puts up double-digit points, but it's like you can just tell it's not going to be enough because – the score from this game to last year's game wasn't really that different. Like there was the difference in this game, like we said earlier, is it was that Auburn A was playing at home and B they had enough protection to make a charge late. They didn't. They never had a chance to make a charge late last night. Like they were a couple of drives where they moved the ball, but that stalled out for whatever reason. And then you combine that with the thing you mentioned earlier, where the defense is a already getting gashed in the first half and then is on the field a lot. It's a really bad recipe for Auburn. But I I do wonder if the offensive line just plays a little bit closer to what it does last year. Does some of that, does the defense not have to be on? Yeah. Yeah, It doesn't look, I still think it culminates in the same thing, which is a loss. I I don't think there's really anything substantially different in order for Auburn to win yesterday. They needed to be the better team at the line of scrimmage or at least not be overmatched, but you needed to be, I think the better team in the line of scrimmage and you needed to have your quarterback play, play a good game, which you haven't gotten in Sanford stadium in 11 years and counting now. Neither of those things happened. And again, all of it comes in contact. All of it comes in context. It's not all on one or all on the other. Like the coaching, and the play calling affects the execution. The, what the individual players do affects what can be called. All that stuff. It all, Bo Nix has to rely on the guys in front of him. He's got to rely on the guys he's throwing the ball to. He's also just got to make plays better. And, again, I'm not 
harping on him. These are his words himself. I'm just <laughs> relaying the message. He said he had to be better. I mean, he called himself pitiful and he called it, he called some of the throws he made bad. And that is one of those things where if you're moving forward for Auburn, it's like the same team that played last night against Georgia is the same team that beat Kentucky by 16 in week one, right? It's not Auburn didn't get magically get different players. They just had to play a much tougher team away from home. You're about to hit a stretch of your schedule where the next three games, all three of the teams that you play, you have more talent than them, right? You have more talent than these teams. Now you play two of them back to back on the road, but you have more talent than these guys. Can you execute at a level enough to take care of it? But if you play like you did at the line of scrimmage, offensively and defensively in those games, those teams can beat you. There is not a team on this schedule that cannot beat Auburn with the way they played last night. Period. And like we know that we know that Arkansas looks better than advertised. This is a game where they've got to do it. Like Bo Nix looks like a different quarterback at home. Straight up. He looks like a different quarterback at home. He looks like a different quarterback when he's not playing a top ten team. You've got, like, these next three weeks, you have to take full advantage of that before you play LSU. And if you do that, you can get some momentum back or back in you, some good feelings uh, about you, and then you can hit the stretch and say, we still have everything to play for in front of us. This has to be your 2017 Clemson game. This has to be your 2013 LSU game. It has to be the, what do you learn from it? You can't let one loss be fatal, right? you got to be able to adjust. you got to be able to bounce back from it. you got to be able to learn from it. And there's a lot to learn about this game. Um, and there's going to be some hard lessons and conversations that are going to be had in that, in that athletics complex this week about how they played and how they're going to fix it moving forward. And if they do that, you're going to, this team's not hopeless. If you want to jump off the ship right now, if you want to jump off the ship right now, well, A, you're probably not listening to this podcast, <laughs> but B, there's still time. It's a weird year. Oklahoma's 0-2. Yeah, I feel, I think, like, I can't tell for sure because I haven't actually asked you, but I think I feel more confident about the Auburn-Arkansas game than you do. But, like, what does that mean at this point, given that I also yeah. thought Auburn was going to win against Georgia? I want to Arkansas not. Arkansas's not going to – Arkansas's defensive front is not going to get pushed around. Now, their own offensive line, they haven't been – they're they're arguably just as bad at running the ball as Auburn is at this point in the season. Um, and – they've had some okay protect like Felipe Franks had a good game yesterday. Um, but yeah, like they're going to have to play a good game. They're not going to be able to sleepwalk and beat Arkansas. Have you ever, have you already read the stat that you tweeted out in the last 13 halves against top 10 opponents in road games? Auburn has been outscored 194 to 85. You yeah, done. we can do that. 197 to 88. Now there you go. There's your, there's oh, your, geez. there's your three on each side, <laughs> three on each side, 197 to 88. Yeah. Um, that's the, the but that's the thing with Gus Malzahn and this team at this point. They can't win the big one in a true road game. It has been a while. Twenty fourteen Ole Miss. Yes. Who am I of forgetting? Te- of teams that were ranked in the top ten when they played. Now I'm a believer in let's look at top ten teams at the end of the season because you know Auburn was a top ten team in that game, but we know the twenty fourteen team didn't finish the year as a top ten team. If you want to look at teams that were top 10 quality from beginning to end, winning in a true road game. Now, you beat Oregon last year, right? But winning in a true road game, it's been a long time. It's been a long, 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 long time since Auburn's done that. And that has been the mark of this team is that 
if you're playing in the SEC and you're playing the schedule every year, especially in especially in even number of years, you're going to have to beat a really good team away from home. And Georgia has been a house of horrors for you, and they've only gotten better. And Alabama has been really tough to win uh, win away from home, and they're continuing to be really really good. It's you can't you can't get to where you want to be as a program if your your big wins are only coming at home. You've got to win on the road in order to compete for a championship. Well, it's, it's like, you know, you can't rely on that at the end of the year, uh, obviously, you know. And I mean, you can't just say every other year yeah, we're having, means, we have a better chance. That means every other year you're like, well, maybe we'll have a chance to beat, you know, the team's biggest rivals. Plus, you've always got A&M and LSU. Uh, right on the road in some capacity. So it's like, all right, you, they have, you know, similar talent. So that, that doesn't not work quite out. as much as Alabama and Georgia, right. but, but you know, more than you on average, but you're, you're closer to them for sure. Yeah. You've got to find a way to get, to get over it. You got to find a way to get over it. And I think to me, one of the big things that, that has come up in this game is that offensively on the offensive line and a quarterback, Auburn's got to be better in these games away from home. Because that's what that's what it takes to win away from home. You need really good quarterback play, and you need your offensive line not to get overwhelmed. Because when you get overwhelmed, the crowd gets into it more. And I know it wasn't a full house by any means against in Sanford Stadium last Although, time. Although I will say it, on television, optically, it looked like it was not the way you're supposed to do it. That's fine. Apparently, it's, apparently, it was the way everybody was sitting. Okay. To make it look like that. There were some side angle shots I saw. They were like, okay, that feels a little okay. bit more distance. The student section, on the other hand, was just not great, I noticed. Um, and uh, look, man, you're in a state where they're not making you wear masks. So also, it's not going to look, it's not gonna look things, awesome. Like, uh, they were still going to beat Auburn. You know, I mean, yes. I, I would say I wish that they wouldn't do that if, if they were all just on top of each other in the midst of a pandemic. But I don't think that I don't think they were on top of each other. And well, in either way, if they were, guess what? It had zero impact on the game. Like Auburn was not gonna win that game regardless of how yeah. the students were sitting. But back to the point though, is like you've got you've got to have a quarterback who's better away from home. Look, we've seen it from Bo Nix. Um he wins that game against Oregon. It was okay against uh, okay against Minnesota. He wasn't the reason why they lost that game against Minnesota. But we saw him struggle against Florida away from home. We saw him struggle against LSU away from home. So now here's your other chance to play an elite team at home. Or on the road, I should say, in a true road game. Once again, like we said, go back to the numbers. 50% passer, 5.8 yards per attempt. Those are not good numbers at all. By comparison. You have to be a lot better in those games against elite teams. Yeah. SEC StatCat put out Stetson ben Bennett's pass chart, 53.6% accuracy, but a 68% adjusted completion rate, 63.8% uh, air yard makeup, 25% uncatchable pass rate. Like, it wasn't a hard night for Bennett. Uh, he wasn't spectacular, but he didn't have to be. He didn't have to be. And and they needed Knicks to be pretty spectacular. And the part of that is is that Kentucky was so good at running the ball, and Auburn just didn't even have it. And you don't even go from being one-dimensional at that point. You kind of put yourself into being zero-dimensional if you can't protect. Like, if you can't, if you can't protect well enough to do the one thing that you're trying to do, you, it's, it, it, it's hopeless. It's hopeless. So... Auburn's offensive line, they've got to find answers, and they got to find answers quickly and just say, this is the – to me, personally, and I know it was a weird year and there were the injuries and the absences and COVID and all that, it was different. But, like, to me, you got to look at it and say, here's our five, here's what we're going with, 
let them let them rock and whatever happens you know on top of that let it happen because um you know it's you got to get better you got to get better and i don't think i don't think this 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 rotation up front is going to make you any better on the offensive line it's just not it's just not at this point um before we go any further want to remind the folks at home you know yesterday was tough for a lot of you listening a lot of you listening it was a very a very very tough day and you need comfort you need to be able to rely on something and that could be a new hoodie or t-shirt <laughs> from homefield apparel <laughs> homefieldapparel.com where you can get uh, vintage auburn logos printed on the highest quality shirts and sweatshirts and hoodies uh, homefieldapparel.com has got you covered Use the promo code OBSERVER for 20% off your first order. And, uh, yeah, they're soft. They're comfortable. They'll make you feel better a little bit. Um, if you want to continue to support your team in the in, in the bad times just as much as the good times, here's a way to do it at Home Field Apparel. They've got you covered. And uh, some, new, some new teams are dropping every week if you have any connection to any other program. The one yesterday – was pretty pretty special. They had uh, North Carolina A and T, their first Ooh. HBCU. There's some really good stuff there. But yeah, Homefield Apparel's got you covered. Like we said, premium vintage uh, collegiate apparel. You're not gonna find a, a more comfortable T-shirt. You're not gonna find cooler logos, and you get it all with the Auburn touch. Of course, remember Auburn might be falling in the polls, but still the number one home field team in terms of sales. <laughs> They're still leading the way. Um, but that is at homefield, homefieldapparel.com, promo code OBSERVER. You get 20% off your first order, and there's free shipping for every order above $50. So you can get it, get it get it quickly, and uh, get ready for the for the rest of the fall. Um, and, you know, hoodies can be a good, uh, a good like, uh, safety blanket. You know, you can, hug, you, can, you, can, you can feel warm and protected, uh, even if, you know, uh, Auburn, <laughs> Auburn's offensive line might not make you feel that way. Um, and we appreciate home field, uh, for sponsoring the show. And, uh, yeah, I guess moving forward, moving, moving forward to this, like this Arkansas team coming up, hasn't been able to run the ball. Felipe Franks has looked decent, even good at times. He had some meltdowns against Georgia, but he looked a lot better against Mississippi state. They forced a lot of turnovers. That defense, is going to try to make things tough on 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 Bo Nix. Um, it seemed like they were a whole lot more comfortable dropping back into zone against Mississippi State and causing trouble there. There were pick sixes. Like that's a team that has already you know come up and said we've that was a that was a road game too for them. So like they they are not going to be super intimidated by Jordan Hare in this game. And we've talked about him. We joked about it all off season that like here's Auburn's chance to play Arkansas. You know they're gonna, you know, Chad Morris and all that. Like, is this gonna be a game where they try to try to, you know, beat the demons out of out of themselves? Um, it's it's a it's a matchup that looks looks a lot more difficult than we than we thought a couple of weeks ago for sure. Especially if Auburn plays up front on both sides of the ball, like they played against like they played against Georgia. Because, you know, I made a lot of jo- a lot of jokes about him this offseason. and I didn't think Pittman was gonna necessarily be be the one. But look, they're one and one. They got the same record Auburn does, and no, they have not played a Georgia, but um, they're not going to be a total pushover. They are not going to be cannon fodder again this year. So 
could Auburn play well and make them look like that? Yeah, I mean we've seen we've seen Auburn teams bounce back before and do stuff like that, but it's a whole lot tougher of a of an ask at this point than what we thought about a couple of weeks ago. I still feel really optimistic about this one, but I understand your pause and going, well, maybe this isn't going to be the thrash. If they if they play if they execute like they did, and I know Georgia like got to give Georgia credit, being that talented can make other teams look look bad by comparison, but. You know they 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 deserve a lot of credit for this game as much as as poorly as Auburn played. But if Auburn plays like this on the offensive line against anybody left on their schedule and the defensive line, if they look like that against anybody they play on the schedule, there's not a team on this list that I'm seeing that that they aren't that isn't capable of beating them, Arkansas included. I guess I just have my doubts that that's going to repeat itself. Now the offensive line play, I don't think I, I would tend to agree with you, but I, I also think yeah. you got to be you got to keep yourself open for the possibility. Absolutely, I, and I think I'm more confident right now on the defensive line not getting absolutely gashed like that. Yeah, are you dis- gonna, are you disagreeing? And no, 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 no. Because I, 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 I yeah. can understand having pause about the Can, offensive uh, line. Arkansas's being, Arkansas's offensive line has not been good this year. They can't they can't run the ball, and I it looks like Franks can get into trouble from time to time with pressures, but they got to be a lot better. And that's the thing. That's the thing that's so weird about this game is that you, they got whipped up front at the last scrimmage after that was the whole reason they won the game. Like they did against Kentucky. The second half, they stopped a running attack that just ran wild over Ole Miss and they, they shut it down. And then on the offensive line, they gave Bo Nix enough time to look good. I mean, the same quarterback, that looked rough and missed those throws last night against against Georgia. That's the same quarterback who was throwing dimes against Kentucky. That's the same offensive line. Those are the same receivers with the exception of Eli Stove not being out there. That's even the same defensive line that, that held a really good rushing attack. Problem is, Georgia, at home, has more talent than Kentucky and played like it. Like That Georgia team, a team that has had Auburn's number under Malzahn, they just they played like they like they're capable of playing, and Auburn did not. Auburn was Auburn was an underdog that played even worse than that. Let me ask you this much, because the Alabama Tennessee rivalry to me does not feel particularly significant. Alabama fans would like to tell you that it means more to them than the Iron Bowl, but of course this is just poor trolling because. You cannot beat a team for a decade and a half who also has no championships and really has been irrelevant for the better part of a decade and a half and pretend like they're your biggest rival. Well, it's not the same parallel because Auburn and Georgia have both been nationally relevant during the last decade and a half. But what has not happened, obviously, has been an even matchup in this series. If you are a Georgia player or to some extent, I suppose, by extension, a fan of the program, how much does this game mean to you? Like, I think you still oh, want to win, right? Because ton. look at how well they're prepared. And like we talk about the recruiting that goes on between the states of Georgia and Alabama. But it does feel like to me, if you're a Georgia player, you're looking at this and it's a pride thing going, we're not going to be the team that loses this game. We don't lose this game. And, and, I, and I think that's the, the vibe you're getting from Alabama, Tennessee. Alabama players definitely care about the, the Tennessee sure. game. And they definitely care about, like again, not being that one well, team. Well, you mentioned this, I think, earlier in the week. But Kirby does a great job of getting Georgia ready for this game. And I, you know, my theory may not be the correct one about Kirby having some sort of disdain for Gus, you know, we see like for some reason he gets he gets all the answers right against Auburn when say he doesn't against South Carolina, right, right, which is weird, but that's how it works. Um, yeah, he's got him. He's 
He's. Uh, I won't even say that it's like, oh, he's got the Malzahn offense figured out because I can't even say that. This is a different offense. This is a different type of offense, and we've seen the Malzahn offense evolve over over the years, or quote unquote, the Auburn offense evolve over the years. Yeah, I mean, this is a one like you have the best record of anybody in college football against Nick Saban and Alabama, the the premier team in the sport for the last decade. However. Your other big rival, one that fans want to beat just as much. For some people, anyway, given where they're from and who they're around. Yeah, Yeah, even more. You can't do it. You've had one big win. And other than that, you've had one one big win, and you've had a game in 2013 where you were— You You blew a lead and then needed a Hail Mary to get a win and keep your season alive, essentially. Other than that, it's been one-way traffic. And only a couple of them been close. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's it's one of those things. This was your best opportunity to beat Georgia. And it's like one of those things where, going back to what we were talking about earlier, this is this is a game where you can look at it in, in two different ways. One, this doesn't kill you. This is not a fatal loss. You can still... Your season's get, goals are, in theory, still in front of you. you one still, loss. You can still get to Atlanta. You can still do everything that you, you want to do. You can still be a contender by the end of the season. All that is still in front of you. You have not played a team out of the West yet. On the other hand, this is a, this is the best chance you had to beat Georgia in Athens in a while. It was early in the season. They had really very little idea what they were doing, I think, at quarterback. I, I do wonder how much uh, in practice that rotation between Mathis and Bennett looked, or if, they just, good. or if they just looked at the tape after that game in the second half and went, yeah, Bennett's the guy. And then we, we, don't, we, we don't have to tell anybody. And, like, we can put JT Daniels in the game if we need to, but it wasn't necessary. And uh, building off that point, 2012, Georgia wins 38-0. 2013, Auburn obviously wins 43-38. Then Georgia wins 34-7. 2013, 13-7. Auburn wins 40-17. to Georgia wins 28-7. Georgia wins 27-10. 21-14, and now 27-6. Yeah, that's ten years of tough games, and so it's a tough one because you have to beat your rivals. Meanwhile, you have another team at LSU that you have not beaten on the road even further back. Yeah, they've done fine at home. It's that that game is split about the way you'd think it should be, given that LSU has the talent edge. And it's not all on Malzahn. It's not all on Malzahn. Tupperville struggled with those teams at the end of his tenure. Chiswick struggled with those teams, but and, and Malzahn, to his credit, has done a little bit of a better job playing Alabama but that's it like you can't you can't just bank on well every other year we play Alabama at home and like there's going to be a chance to to make that make that jump Auburn's got to be able to figure it out and if they can't you know last night for that fan base for the Auburn fan base it was back to a song and dance we've heard a long time like it was back to get rid of everybody, you know. This is it, the Auburn's hopeless. They're going five and five. They're going six and four. Again, we've seen Auburn bounce back before. We've seen Auburn rebound from very, very ugly losses before. Um, the fact that this is Georgia early in the season is a little bit of a different vibe than what you usually get. So I think that if you want to be glass half full, if you want to feel like, if you want to find some positivity moving forward, here's the thing: flush this game is done. It's over with. And that's what and that's what all that's what Auburn's message was last night. It's like we played poorly 
in this game. We did not execute. We got out coached. We got we just got flat out beat by 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 a really good team away from home. Now you can't let it beat you again. And to Auburn's credit, they didn't give up. Like especially on that defensive end, they could have folded. Offensively, they could have folded. Like Bo Nix for his faults on Saturday night was trying. Like like the the effort is there. The effort's always going to be there from Malzahn team. It's just what the frustrating part of with the with the fan base is that where's the execution? Where's the and I wouldn't even say that it didn't look like Auburn wasn't ready to play. They just got beat. Like they, that was a better team beating you, and you not and you just not never being able to recover, never being able to recover in that one. And your quarterback never looked comfortable. That's an embarrassing one for everybody, coaching oh, yeah. staff, players. I'm really curious to see how this Arkansas game goes because I'm I'm yeah. thinking that it's an RIPIP type game for Arkansas, even given. Uh, some of the strengths that you and I, and I think, seem to think they could challenge. And Auburn I think, with. and I think I, I would probably pick Auburn to win that game, but I also think it could be very much like, like Mercer in 2017. And I know Mercer is nowhere near what Arkansas is. But point taken in terms of like, it's obvious that Auburn's gonna, a better team, but the other team's still sticking around. Yeah, they're sticking around. And the fact that Auburn's still having to work out a lot of bugs, like we said, heading into the season, this offensive line, everybody who was, who was worried about the offensive line, they've been validated in their concerns they've been validated and 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 i think what i said heading into this year is like you know you see some potential with that offensive line they just got to get a five and get it going and by the end of the year they could be good and it's harder to do that when you have this kind of rotation and it's really hard to do that when the second game you play in the year is against the best defense in america right if your offensive line is your weakness right now that was a bad it, matchup. <laughs> that's about the worst matchup you can put out there. And again, I, on thought, the road, I thought it would be neutralized some by Knicks, but they just got absolutely hammered in the trenches. For a team that looked so good at protecting the passer in week one, they just it was the complete opposite in week two, right? And where, what does that come down to? Talent. Georgia's got more talent than anybody else, and they unleashed it. And In I, combination at, at a position group for Auburn that doesn't have the same amount of talent, and does not have that experience. The thing that Georgia we talked about, probably not enough given how that game went, was that Georgia wasn't just talented on defense. They had a lot of experience coming Well, back. it's a giant missed opportunity because everybody who's listening to this knows that Georgia's a better program right now than Auburn. But this was a chance. This was a chance to say, Even as an underdog, you felt like, hey, there's an opportunity. There's a window here for this team. Right. There's a window to get it done. And that would be like, win in Athens, away from home, Against, against a be- against a better against one of the best teams in the country, and then you can go into recruiting and say, "Hey, we can beat these guys. We can beat these guys in Athens. We can like it can sell yourself. You can get some of the players needed to close that gap." Now you're never going to be, I don't think, you're never going to be Georgia, or Alabama, or Ohio State in recruiting. You're just certainly not. not with Kirby Smart and Georgia. You're going to need multiple national championships to get to that point. Because if you're Auburn, you pick out people from Alabama, you pick out people from Georgia, from Florida, and then you try to recruit regionally and nationally. But Georgia has a state pretty much to themselves. Alabama's the biggest brand in football. LSU has a state to themselves. LSU has a state. Florida, uh, Florida. Not Let's see with Miami, a, but not worried about Florida State. Right. So you're never going to be you're never going to be a top five recruiting team year in and year out. I don't think. But well, it usually puts you at about sixth in your conference and in a, and you know the top ten, top twelve. But how did but but you know games aren't played. Stars matter, but games aren't played just straight up by recruiting, right? The team with the most talent doesn't always win. Look at what happened with Oklahoma. Look at what happened with Texas. Look at like upsets happen. 
but you've got to be in the advantage. You've got to be in a spot to take advantage. And those teams that beat teams that are better than them. And again, like I said, Auburn's not an overmatched underdog. They are a slight underdog in the toughest conference in, in, in college football. But this was an opportunity for them to get that win and just say, hey, take it into a better recruiting class. Take it into get those players, especially on the offensive line and some of those key positions that that you know you were outmatched in on on Saturday night. You take them and say, hey, let's keep this going. Instead, you lose. And you lose poorly. It's not over. The season's not over, but you gotta flush and move on and just say, We're done. Where you know that that game's in the past, you can't let it beat yourself twice. How are you going to be better? New season starts now, for lack of a better for lack of a better term. Like you want to say how cliche it is to say, oh, you take it one 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 week at a time. But yeah, Arkansas. Like I said, three games coming up where you have more talent than the other team. However, Arkansas's already proved that they can beat you. Let them beat you. Arkansas already proved that they can beat a good team away from home. And we'll see what Mississippi State looks like. Um you play South Carolina and Ole Miss on the road who have some dudes and can, and can give you some problems. So what do you do? What do you take? What do you do over the next three weeks? To take advantage of this before you play LSU. Figure out that offensive line, try to figure out a way to run the ball. It's a weird year. It's a weird year. None of it's going to make sense. And, 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 and had a bad stroke of, I would say injury luck combined yeah. with, you know, that seems I think really it, banged up right now. I think now. it was a correct targeting call, but still tough for smoke. Given. And I'll say the same thing. It's a, it's a dumb rule. That's a dumb rule. There's no evidence that I can find that says throwing people out of cut down those hits. Well, it feels, this is going to be a little bit generous on my part, but it does feel like throwing people in jail for 10 years for having like, you know, uh, nonviolent like crimes. It's like, what are you deterring here? Like what you're just, you're just, there's a punishment. And then like if, people aren't if, thinking about the if punishment. If they want to do like a yellow card, if they want to do like a yellow card thing or be like, Hey, this is the first time you've gotten tarred off. This yes. next time you're done, you know, guys will play different a little bit of that, but, but what does it do when, when someone well, is Richard in the account was out for the rest of the yeah. game, the, the game uh, uh, last night. That's that was not a malicious hit. That was not a malicious hit. He just, he has extremely fantastic closing speed and he made a good play on the ball. Uh, it was, by definition, targeting, but I didn't really want to see LeCount out of the game. And I definitely didn't want to see Smoke Monday gone on the first drive of the game. Yeah, so, I mean... I would agree. that like, It's a banged-up team that's got to heal up quick and grow up quick. The targeting rule frustrates me because just about no player goes into a hit thinking, I'm going to – I mean, I'm not saying it never happens, but, like, most players aren't thinking – College football's not filled with Vontaze Burfix. Yeah, they're not going out there like – they want to play. You know, you see smoke on the sideline. He was obviously devastated. So, yeah. was, that was a Especially bummer. being a Georgia guy. Yeah, and, and the, the injuries have been unfortunate. But, look, there's no excuses for Auburn. Injuries or – a player getting ejected. They got outplayed. They got outcoached. And I don't think you'd hear anyone on that team say anything different. So what do you do? What do you learn from it? How do you build on what you've seen through the first two weeks, the good and the very bad, and move forward? We'll see. We'll see. And it starts against an Arkansas team that would love nothing more than to beat Chad Morris. And an Auburn team that I think would I love think the nothing more. I think feeling is mutual. The feeling will definitely be mutual on Saturday and we will preview that game later this week for our subscribers at the Auburn Observer. Uh, you can sign up auburnobserver.com, $6 a month or $60 for the whole year. We'll get you access to all that we have got out of the Auburn Observer, all the stories and that premium podcast episode later in the week. So check it out. A lot of you have already 
uh, uh, signed up and subscribed. We had a huge, huge number of subscriptions uh, in this first week, and we cannot thank you all enough for joining on with us. And uh, this looks like something financially, you know, that we can we can do this for a living for, we can uh, for eat right now. Yeah, we can we can pay the bills. We can pay the bills, and we appreciate it. Uh, tell your friends. Uh, about the Auburn Observer, tell your friends about this podcast. Like I said, these these recap podcasts will continue to be free to you um, wherever you listen to your podcast. You have to subscribe to get the ones later in the week. Um, but yeah, rate, review, all that good stuff. If you want to uh, to tell people about what we've got going on at the Auburn Observer, auburnobserver.com. Uh, I'm at jferguson.au on Twitter. He is at Paint Sharpless. Painter, you got anything else? I need to issue a correction okay. uh, in the last or one of the last podcasts. I incorrectly stated the amount of rushing yards Mississippi State had. I want to say I said they had nine. I think they had like 49. It doesn't matter. They had 600 pass yards. But I guess credit where it's due. I think I didn't give Kylan Hill and the the Mississippi- Kylan Hill also got hurt yesterday and, that sucks. and, and I didn't, didn't play that. and like miss most of the game. But I, what I'm talking about is that LSU win yeah. they had. Yeah. And I think I incorrectly attributed Mississippi State less yards on well, the ground. Well, all of the Mississippi had. State fans who listen to this podcast will be thankful for for that correction. Perfect. All right, we will talk to you guys later on the week. Film room on Monday. Uh, more stories coming out throughout the week at auburnobserver.com check it out appreciate everybody's feedback and uh you might not want to be reading a ton right now but we appreciate those of you who are uh we will take the angry uh angry listens and clicks just as much as the happy ones at this point uh thanks for tuning in see y'all uh see y'all later this week and uh go bills